Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 45 of MMA FanCast, brought to you by Octagon247.com. My name is Ryan Middleton. I am your host, and I am joined by my broski, my hero oldest man ever jim sahara mooney we got a lot of good ufc 216 action to talk about this upcoming weekend we're gonna dive into that uh just in just a moment however with uh the tragedy that happened last night in las vegas nevada overnight uh monday or sunday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, I, I would be um, short, you know, I, I, I just needed to mention this. It's on everyone's mind and a very senseless and uh, uh, just a, a, a cowardly act um, that is, has left a wake of devastation behind it. And that is, um, you know, last I saw there were confirmed 58 dead and many others injured and that's just um you know there's so many fights that come out of las vegas that um i know that there's a lot of people that just a lot of people within the community and and just within um that are affected by that and so just wanted to mention that our thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of this heinous act uh we at mma fancast here um are will be praying for those victims and uh in light of that recent uh heinous act so to as hard as it is we're gonna shift the mood and we're going to talk about mma um we have ufc 216 coming up this weekend it's a big pay-per-view and uh as you'll notice i i only have sahara mooney with me today and and another thing I wanted to kind of ask our audience and our listeners to uh, do is keep um, your thoughts and prayers with Andrew Dice Bailey. Um, he had some he has some personal things going on, and um, he won't be with us for some time. And so, uh, in light of that, please also uh, keep your thoughts and prayers with him and his family as well. Moving on, UFC 216 is happening this weekend. Jim Sahara Mooney, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10, excitement level? Excitement level? Um, I would have to say I'm at a 10 out of 10. However, there's mixed feelings in this because this weekend is uh, father-son camping weekend for me and Jakey. So um, I think the last time that I missed a UFC event or Bellator event, I think it was UFC, and um, I took my daughter camping, there was absolutely no cell phone service unless you went to the top of this hill. We were down in a canyon, and you went to the top of this hill where there were a couple cattle. There was actually uh, some bulls up there that were very territorial. So I didn't venture up there to uh, catch a glimpse of UFC, and I won't be doing it until I get home on Sunday evening, and I'll um, watch the rerun of it. But as far as excitement for the fights, I'm two fights I'm stoked for. One is Ferguson and Lee, and the other is, um, is seeing Mighty Mouse, hope, hoping that he, which, you know, by all counts and everything we've seen, He's, you know, not going to take Ray Borg deep into the night. It's, you know, I think it's going to be a quick night. But I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I am. Um, I'm excited about a lot of fights on this card. This is one of uh, a a card that I really, really like the entire way through the card. There are many good fights on here, and I'm excited. 
there's some also some young guns. Well, some of them are just, uh, you know, Randy Couture young starting their MMA career out on the later side. But this is a card I'm very excited about. I think there's lots of good fights. I think there's lots of uh, solid guys I really want to see fight. One that comes immediately to mind is Lando Venata, who um, has really impressed me in his three octagon appearances, although two of them are losses. One of them was on a short notice. He made his UFC debut on short notice against – uh, Tony Ferguson and came in and gave Tony Ferguson all he could until mm-hmm. he gassed out um, in about the middle of the second round. Um, that I think he took that fight on just a couple days' notice, so he was not in uh, tip-top shape. But he has uh, looked very impressive, has some dynamic striking. I'm excited about that fight. I'm excited about a lot of fights, and I want to kind of uh, talk about you know some of those fights. Even on the – prelim like the 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 um i want to say Facebook. yeah the uh the the fight pass prelim is a superb prelim it's probably it's, it's gotta be if not i'd say one of the top three fight pass cards this year for 2017 yeah outside of the the opening bout um uh, they're all fights i'd want to talk about you have brad Tavares, who is a very solid fighter versus Thales Latis, who is also, I mean, he's up there in, in his years. He's, he's passed his prime. I, I, and he's had some battles and uh, he was once at the top of the food chain, not Mm -hmm. too long ago, but I think he's taken a couple steps back. I mean, he's lost three of his last five fights. um, And, uh, but he's won two of his, two of his last three. Um, so that's good, but the competition, they've kind of scaled it down. Uh, you know, he's gone, he's gone from fighting guys like Musasi who were at the top of the division to, you know, Sam Alvey, who's a solid fighter, but not, not that same caliber. Um, so that's a fight I'm really looking forward to. Well, uh, there's several on the fight, uh, fight pass prelims. We've got, uh, Mark Godbeer, which um, Andrew's been uh, kind of high on Godbeer lately. We've been talking about him, um, I'd say, over the past month with uh, you know, some heavyweight and light heavyweight talk. And then uh, the, I think the one that leads uh, – another it is. I apologize. I was, I was thinking Pearl Gonzalez. Um, I thought she was on the, uh, on the fight yeah. past prelim. Yeah, she's. I think they're the opening fight on the, um, on the FS1 prelims. Yeah, or and is it? It might be an FXX prelims. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Off the top of my head, I better figure that out by Saturday because I don't want to miss it. Um, but yeah, you talked about uh, Mark Goodbeer. And he's fighting Walt Harris. This is a this is a great battle. Mark Goodbeer is a very solid guy, a very solid fighter. He's one and one in the UFC with in his two fights. He's he's won four of his last five fights, and um, and he's just a very solid guy. Twelve and three overall in his MMA career. And Walt Harris. Walt Harris is proof positive that you do not have to win all of your fights to be, um, to make money and to be at the, you know, uh, at the top, at the top level in the UFC. He started his UFC career one and three and he is clawed. Not impressive. Not impressive. But, but he's gone out there and battled. He has, been willing to put on a great show and every single time he goes out there he's he's putting himself out there hey i'm gonna either knock a guy out or but i'm willing to get knocked out myself and and i'm gonna take some risks and and that's why the ufc stuck with him through that and he's since pulled off two straight wins and now he's you know he has his first ufc win streak yeah and he had a nice uh victory his um, victory before last uh, against Chase Sherman with the uh, with the knockout. I think it was uh, knees, um, knees that ended that 
Uh, I, I could be not well, recalling that correctly, but chances are you're wrong. I, I, I don't, I, yeah, my memory is not that good enough. But he's three and one in his last four UFC fights. Yep. Three and so. one in the last four. That is correct. Yeah. So he is a, a guy who um, I think can put on a show that, that makes for a great fight there. The other one I wanted to talk about is John Moraga and, and uh, Magomed Bibulatov. Um, he, that Bibulatov, he is a quality um, grappler. A very, he's undefeated. Most of his fights have been overseas. He fought for, uh, I believe he fought for Bama. Um, I'm not sure. I know he trained in France and um, he, he made his UFC debut. He's 1-0 in the UFC. This is a guy who will get the takedown. He has great top control. He's not letting you off. If you kind of compare him to someone, he reminds me a lot of Nermega Madoff where he's going to get the takedown and he's going to stay on top of you. He's going to stay active enough and he's going to um, control you. Their mega Madoff might have a little more um, power at that in that in the guard, uh, but um, but that's the kind of fighter he is, where he is very solid on his feet, more solid I think than their mega Madoff, but um, he will control you and a very good wrestler, very good grappler, and and also uh, uh, solid on his feet. So this is where we need Andrew, where he can tell us. What uh, what camp he fights out of? Because I'm curious to know if um, if he's in the same camp as uh, as the Eagle. I think he. Well, uh, yeah, I can tell you that here in a second. At least according Fight Club Berkut in Russia. That's cute. Is that what you said? That's cute. No, I tried. You're not cute. That's uh, my kids think I am. Fight Club, you're not cute. Okay, so there's that fight, which I think is a great fight. You got the Good Beer Harris fight, and then you move on to the uh, fo- the Fox Sports one slash FXX. Who, who, we don't know quite yet. Pro Gonzalez versus Pollyanna Bot- Botello. Um. So you're excited to see Pro Gonzalez. She's uh, yeah. The uh, the last time we, I think the first time we saw her is what I should say. Um, she looked really impressive. She was the underdog, and I'm pulling up the stats. See if I can pull up the stats. But um, she had a big victory. No, um, she lost. No, her last one. Yeah, against Cynthia Calvillo. What? I'm looking at the wrong stats. I apologize. Continue. She she lost that fight. I do recall that now, yes. Um, A third-round choke. Um, And so she's 0-1 in the UFC, 6-2 overall. She – I I, I mean, outside of that one fight seeing her, I I don't have a, a very extensive knowledge of her. Uh, Poliana Botello is a Brazilian. She's five and one. She's making her UFC debut. Um, the interesting thing about her is that all five of her wins are by KO or TKO and, um, makes for exciting fight, exciting fighter, um, out of Brazil. Yeah. I'm looking at the, uh, TKO, TKO, TKO. <clears throat> decision and a loss, but everything is uh, she goes for the finish, which those are my kind of favorite fighters. I mean, they're the ones I enjoy. Uh, her <laughs> only her only non TKO was a unanimous decision loss um, back in 2014. She has not been the most active fighter. Uh, as a matter of fact, she hasn't fought since 2015. Um, but will be was actually scheduled to make her UFC debut at uh, UFC 206, 
and against Valerie Letourneau and had an injury. She had to pull out of the fight, so now she makes her debut um, here in at UFC 216. Taking a look at the rest of the card, uh, this card, I mean, it, I don't know how someone could not be excited for it. Next fight, you have Bobby Green versus Lando Venata. We've, I mentioned Venata. I'm a big fan of Lando Venata. He has very um, – he moves differently than most fighters. He's very smooth. He, um, he, he's very much in and out and, like, is very uh, – I don't know. He just moves differently than most people. He has very uh, dynamic striking. He does a lot of spinning back kicks and spinning back fists and kind of switches things up a lot. Um, very fluid and a, a, a very much a welcome surprise to the division um, with that with that uh, shot against Tony Ferguson. And uh, I, I've just been impressed with him overall. You know what? He is um, similar to Dominic Cruz with a lot of head movement. But um, like you said, his movements are smooth. Um, and, and very fluid. It's, it's like there's a natural progression in the way that he moves, whereas Dom, um, not to, to say that the two are calculated and you can um, figure out where the next move is going to be, but he's got a lot of that head movement and dropping the, the shoulders and um, just makes it uh, not an easy target for his opponents. Well, in, in general, in general, because – I know that uh, Ferguson landed a few, and he – any other fighter, it seemed like they should have been rocked and on their butt. But he stood there and took it like a champ. So, yeah, he, he followed that Ferguson UFC debut up with a fight against John McDessie and, and won that fight pretty quickly in, in the first round. And then he faced his first loss in the UFC – or, no, actually his – Second loss in the UFC, he lost to Ferguson, um, to David Tamer. And he was a huge favorite over David Tamer. The buzz was strong um, for Lando Venata, but David Tamer came in and he was equal to the task. Another guy that looks really good. And um, I'm excited about this, this kid as well. Um, I think he has a very good future. He's 28 years old, 6-1. and one, um, and, and fighting out of Sweden. So uh, Tamer surprised everyone and got a unanimous decision win over Lando Venata. Lando Venata has since – he had uh, – uh, he has not fought since, so this will be his chance to kind of redeem that loss. And that's always scary when you have someone who's a dynamic, uh, a dynamic fighter. So um, do you want to start taking predictions on uh, starting with this fight? Yeah, let's get into it. Um... This one is one of those fights that, uh, you know, if if Venata can keep that head movement um, and avoid punches and, and not stand there and show his bravado, um, I think, he, you know, his flash, um, you know, he's got the uh, – I think he threw a, a – was it him that I'm thinking of? Um, did he land – the uh, the spinning elbow, the back elbow, on Ferguson, or am I thinking of someone else? I th I think he did. It was in the first round, I believe. Yeah. Um, it was a spinning and, and it, he listen. He had Ferguson like stunned a couple times in the first round. So, um, yeah, I I think he's done a he's done a heck of a job to uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, um. I mean, he's he's flashy in a way that is not like these highlight reel <clears throat> um, moves. Sometimes we see out of Uriah Hall. It is he does it in a way that it's just part of his arsenal. Um, I, you know, I I'm going with uh, Venata. Let me let me just put it there. Okay, um, where where are you taking him? I have uh, Venata TKO second round. That's what I was going to say. TKO second round. Oh, well, how original. <laughs> okay. So, um, talking about Bobby Green, I, we, we haven't really talked about him. Uh, just because I'm so excited about Lando Venata. Um, Bobby Green is really uh, 
he needs a win here bad. He has three straight losses. He uh, he's a he's a very solid guy. He has a lot of athleticism. He's very uh, a gifted fighter. He just hasn't um, he hasn't been able to turn the corner. He's he's kind of um, stuck in a rut now. He's also had a lot of injuries. If you take a look at what he's been scheduled to fight since he came, even as he exited Strike Force when the, the UFC took them over, he's just had canceled fight after canceled fight after injury caused him to pull out of a fight over and over and over again. Going back to 2012, he was supposed to fight in, in a Strike Force card against Jorge Masvidal. That entire event was canceled. Then in then in 2013, he uh, he was scheduled. Uh, he 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 fought a fight in early 2013, and then he was scheduled to fight Danny Castillo. He had a hand injury; he had to pull out. Then he fought two fights. He had a was scheduled to fight again at UFC 169. Had to pull out. 172 had to pull out. Then he fought Josh Thompson. Got a huge win there, and that was. Uh, Great. Then he was supposed to fight at one uh, UFC 176. Had to pull. Uh, the event was canceled, actually. Then he was scheduled to fight at UFC Fight Night 47. Um, had to had that fight pulled out from him. Then he was scheduled to fight George Masvidal at 178. That got switched. Then he was supposed to fight Donald Cerrone. That got switched. And he ended up not fighting at 178. Then he was uh, supposed to get that fight again with Masvidal that they scheduled at UFC Fight Night 63. That didn't happen. Ally Kinta, UFC Fight Night 71. That didn't happen. He tore his ACL. In the Masvidal fight, he tore his quad. It's just been... And then UFC Fight Night 96 against Josh Berkman. That didn't happen. He, he withdrew for personal issues. He has had so many scheduled fights that he's had to pull out of. I am not confident that this fight will even happen. Even happen, yeah. It's like uh, his body breaks down just yeah. before it's time to get in the ring. Well, I feel like that is what ha- – I feel like when he came to the UFC, he was, he was in, in good shape. Not good shape. Like, like his body physically was in good shape. Like he didn't have a lot of – injuries and i just think that that wear and tear has has caught up with him and his body is uh just falling apart so that is part of the reason why i think he's going to face his fourth loss in a row that and the fact that he's fighting a guy who uh who is very dynamic and i'm a big fan of huh. uh the next fight will brooks and uh nick lentz any thoughts um I'm pulling up uh, Will Brooks, but Nick Will... Nick Lentz we got to see at UFC 203. Um, right. We got to hang out with him. Um, he he didn't have a he did fight that night. Um, this is telling me that it was canceled, but I oh no okay he was scheduled to originally fight someone else. He fought Michael McBride at UFC. That's right. Yes. And and got the win and has fought since then at UFC 208 and lost uh, a unanimous decision. So he's coming off a loss against Will Brooks, who is also coming off a loss, back to back losses. He's to the Oliveras. Yep, to the Oliveras. Yep. Um, that's, that, that's the, both the Oliveras are, are pretty pretty tough guys. Um, but. Facing Nick Lentz is a whole is a different. I think Nick Lentz is a much different fighter than either one of the Oliveras, um, and so uh, although he's scrappy and tough, I, I I don't see it being as difficult of a fight for him. So, what is your prediction? My prediction is Will Brooks uh, gets a victory. I'm gonna. Go with a unanimous decision. Um, I would say ditto to 
all the reasons that you picked except um, I'm going with Nick Luntz on this one, and I'm going with uh, Split. You are the king of Split decision. <laughs> well, no, Bobby Green is the king, um, but I didn't pick him. Bobby. Bobby. All right, moving on, we have uh, Tom Duquesnoy versus uh, Cody Stammen. And Duquesnoy's the, – both these guys are 15-1. and one. Uh, I, I honestly don't remember. They both have fought in the UFC one time. I, I have not – I don't recall their fights, although I did watch them because I watch every fight. Um, but I can tell you that taking a look at Duquesnoy, I'm, he has, he's very impressive. He did fight uh, a lot of fights in Bama. Or is that – no, I'm lying. He did not. It was Stammen that fought in Bama. Let me just double-check that. Yeah, he fought a lot in Bama and was very successful – and now um, he's he his opponent Stammen also fought in Bama and was successful there. Both these guys, um, Duquesnoy is twenty four years old, uh, has a great future of he- ahead of him. Stammen is a little bit older at twenty seven, and uh, yeah, I think both these guys are, are are solid guys. Both have fought on one UFC fight. So they got that UFC jitters out of the way. And uh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on this fight? I'll be honest with you, Ryan. I don't know much about either one of them, but I'm looking at uh, Stam and stats. Um, and if I just go based on stats, I still can't make a, uh, an educated pick on this. So this one's just going to be purely off the cuff. Um, and I like the name Cody, so I'm going with Stammen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought you would say I'm going with Cody. I mean, I know that's the same guy, but yeah, you could say, since I like the name Cody, I'm going with Cody. Now there's that noise again and it's mm-hmm. gone. Um, yeah. so you are taking Stammen. Where, where are you taking him at? Um, I'm going to say, I mean, he's got – I'm, I'm going to go with decision. Unanimous or – no, you only um, do split. <clears throat> I'm calling that for you. Split uh, I'm going with unanimous. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm taking Duquesnoy, uh, and I'm going to say that he chokes him out. I'm going to go rear naked choke, or I don't really have to call it, but it will be a choke. In the um, rear naked choke, let's say, let's go round two. All right. Mm. It's dangerous. Okay, that, that, that's the that's the um, tough fight, I think, to kind of talk about because you know those guys are going to make their mark now, <laughs> and and we're going to remember them from this point on. But moving on, Dariush, we got Dariush versus Evan Dunham. Break it down for me, Sahara. All right, so Evan Dunham. Um, is on a four-fight win streak. Um, they've all come by decision, but prior to that, he was on a three-fight skid. Um, he definitely got things turned around. Um, his most recent victory was uh, not too long ago, which is a year ago, um, September of last year. This is at uh, Poirier Johnson fight night um, against Rick Glenn. Um, Whereas uh, Dariush has, um, he's been kind of uh, up and down his past four fights. I believe he lost his, yes, he did lose his last one to Edson Barboza. 
Um, it was a knockout. It was a, um, I believe it was a knee. I feel like this one was one of those highlight real. It was a okay. Knee. Um, so and he lost to lost to Michael Casilla. Um, after you know he won two fights in between and lost to Mike Casilla. Yeah, I can never pronounce his name right. Is that how you say it? I don't know if it was uh, Chiasse or Chiasse or how you said it, Casilla. You say Casilla, I say Chiasse. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he does. Uh, Darius got some uh, some big names on his uh, on the win list. Yeah, he, uh, he, with, he's beat Michael Johnson, Jim Miller. Jim Miller, yeah. He has a, a an impressive resume when you look at his wins. He scatters in some losses though, which is the uh, which is the tough part. And Dunham's been around for it seems like forever. It does. It seems like he's been around for a long time, you know. And in reality, um, he has because you know we're going all the way back to 2009 was where he made his UFC debut. Yeah. So you know he's been around eight years, um, and 2007 is when he made his splash into uh, professional MMA. So, um, with that said, though, you know, I think uh, Dunham is going to continue his uh, win streak um, with victory number five in a row. And I'm going to go with his, uh, his favorite, and I'm going to go with a unanimous decision. Okay. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm taking Dariush, and I'm thinking that Dariush is going to put – Dunham on his derriere. <laughs> Get it? Mm. See how I did that? Was that? I um, mean, you want his derriere? Did you see how that worked? That was nice. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he has not lost two fights in a row. He usually comes back stronger. I'm going to think that is the case here as well. And I'm going to take Darius via. Don't do it. Unanimous decision. Uh, that's copycat. No, I copycat. think opposite guy. Okay. So, see, the problem is, I think that Dunham is good enough to avoid a finish, but I think that he's going to get the decision. All right, moving on, we have Fabricio, the troublemaker Verdum. Yeah. This one okay. to me is kind of an odd. Let's not matchup. talk about the fight yet. Let's talk about Fabricio. Did you see him in in uh, Ferguson? Yeah, the guy is—he's a loose cannon, and we're t- and I'm talking about uh, Fabricio. 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 Wording. Yeah, I don't. Is is he losing it? Has he taken too many strikes to the head? I don't know what is going on with him. I mean, we spent time with him, and he was a great, friendly guy, jovial, just a nice guy over the course of three three days. Mm-hmm. And then he went out and acted like a buffoon in the cage. Yeah. And post-fight at UFC 203. And, and he, he has isn't... been erotic, not erotic, erratic, <laughs> not erotic. Please, Fabricio, no. do not get a. Hey, you never know. With Fabricio, he could start getting erotic, but he's been erratic ever. I mean, I just, this is the same guy that beat Fedor Emelianenko when Fedor Emelianenko was unbeatable. Mm-hmm. And now he's like a, a a cartoon character. Yeah, it's it's odd. Um, I watched. I was actually watching a couple of fights of his last night. Yeah. And uh, the last fight that I watched was against Big Nog. And it's just, you know, he showed respect for him before the fight, even you know to some extent. Um, during the fight, in between rounds, and after the fight, he was gracious in victory. Um, it was just, it's, it was odd to see him acting that way in the octagon. And then, you know, the, the first time 
that I got to see him fight live and then meet him in person. In person is not the same guy that we saw, you know, in the octagon and, um, you know, when he fought against Travis Brown. So it's two fights in a row where he comes out with that, that running, flying jump kick. I don't even know insanity? what to call it. Is it called insanity? I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. The, yeah. But the, the, the difference kick. is he did not try to kick Alistair Overeem's coach after the fight. Okay. So he stopped there. Yeah. He started the fight the same way. So he's actually improving his behavior. <clears throat> mm. So he's getting it out of the way now as opposed to once he steps into the octagon. But but he's also st- picking fights with guys that weigh 80 pounds less than him like at media days. And that's that's – that's wrong because he no he had to make up for not trying to kick Alistair Overeem's manager coach yeah coach why did I say manager um, okay so moving on Derek Lewis uh, he's also coming off a loss that's what UFC does I mean if you've ever looked at UFC matchmaking they take guys that have won most recently uh, and they match them up almost all the time it's a guy two guys that have won their last fight fight each other and two guys have lost their last fight fight each other. Mm-hmm. That's how the matchmaking works. Um, so Derek Lewis is also coming off that loss to Mark Hunt uh, in just in June when he said he was going to retire after that. And, and then he realized like, like he can't make this kind of money anywhere else. So here he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, what are your thoughts? You know, as I I really like Derek Lewis just for his ferociousness. You know that he's got that one shot, potentially deadly um, punching power. Um, you know, Fabricio's got that. He's got that like crazy glazed, uh, glassy eyed look um, in the ring now, and. You know, I I think this is an odd matchup, you know, because we know Lewis and his stamina or okay. lack thereof. Let's, let's wrap this up. What are you going to say? I'm going with Fabricio, uh, and I'm going with a uh, with a TKO. I'm going to say um, first round. What? Yeah, That's I just think that he's going to come in. Can lose. Uh, I, I think he's just going to come straight for him, and try to to you know, fight through any punches. That's how he loses. Well, he does that. That's my analysis. So here, here, let me, let me give my quick analysis. Cause I, this is what I was already going to say. If Fabricio Verdum comes into this fight, trying to steep the same thing he did with Stipe, it's going to be the same down. result. It's going to be the same exact result. However, he is the, just as dynamic as Derek Lewis is with his knockout power, his one-punch power, Fabrizio Verdum is, I mean, way more dominant on the ground against Lewis than Lewis is on the feet. I mean, he is head and shoulders above anything that Lewis could ever do. So he takes Lewis down. There is Lewis has zero chance, zero, none. Mm-hmm. He will he will submit him, guaranteed. Now that being said, do I think that Fabricio Verdum will definitely have that game plan? Unfortunately, not. I I I think he should. I think he probably will. I'm not convinced he will. I think the only way he loses is by doing what you said he would do. I I think if if he does what you're saying, he's going to win by he. I think I think he's going to lose. However, I do think he's going to take the fight down. I do think he's going to get uh, Lewis on his back, and I think he's going to submit him. So I'm going to say this is a second-round submission for Fabricio. Okay. Yeah, there's uh, just one thing I wanted to add, and that is – And I'm going to go – Kimura. I'm trying to figure uh, – let's go with – That's a, a big guy to get a Kimura on. Dude, Fabrizio Verdum's jiu-jitsu is so much better than most heavyweights. Oh yeah, he's hit. I he's mean, wicked with it. It's 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 
I don't think Mir is as good as Verdum with the Jiu-Jitsu. But uh, I'm going to say, oh, let's go rear naked. That's the old one. Yeah, I could see it. I could see that happening. Um, I'm still sticking with uh, – so So what I wanted to say before – Or I think was, get him to, to – to, to, he could ground and pound, get his back and just ground right. and pound him, tap. Yeah, see, that's what I think he's going to do just to um, – because I think he feels that he could easily submit him, but he wants to instead impose his will and his uh, – show his um, striking power and let Derek Lewis feel that because Lewis is known – for the very same. So I think he wants to, not that he needs to make a statement, but I think he wants to, you know, send a message to Derek Lewis. Um, I do think it's going to the ground and I think it might, may start off with that insanity rush at the beginning of the round. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on it. And (laughs) that's going to, I actually think that Lewis could be counting on that too, and just be waiting with a haymaker because yeah. um, that's not a smart thing to leave both feet. <laughs> anyway, ask Andre Olovsky if you should leave both feet in the in a fight. Um, Mighty Mouse Johnson here, here versus Ray Borg. Uh, if you have not listened to our podcast for very long and you want to hear an in-depth analysis of the way we think this fight's going to go, just go back a couple – a couple episodes when we previewed UFC 215, we gave you super in-depth analysis. I'm not going to do that again. Um, however, what I will do is make our predictions and briefly say Ray Borg is not ready for what he's about to get into. Um, he's a great young fighter and he's going to be very good. And he is way in over his head on this fight. Uh, that being said, I'm going to take Demetrius Johnson. First round. Yes. Whatever he, however he wants to end the fight. I, I'll say it's a, it's a, um, yes. Yes. Kamora. Kamora. I, I could see that happening. Um, you say first round. Uh, I think I, I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, when I don't first remember. pick this. I don't remember what I picked. I just knew I picked like Demetrius pretty easily. I all mean, right, so he could lay back and not be aggressive at all, and that's the only way it would go far. I just, I mean, his skill level is just so high. It's so. He's at the top of his game. He's peaking. He has the experience. He's been in there with the best of the best and just gotten better and better and better. And now he finishes fights. And he's just – unless he has a brain fart, I think he takes this easily. So just looking at – you know, going back and looking at his uh, his method of victory. Most recently was an armbar submission. Prior to that um, was the Tim Elliott. Um, <clears throat> scare, I guess you could say, um, where he, he still won, and it was a unanimous decision. Um, against Cejudo, it was TKO. Um, Dodson was uh, UD. Then we've got um, armbar submission, Kimura. Um, there's another decision, a knockout, an armbar. Um, so he does like to go for the, uh, for the arm and, and the submission. There's guillotines in there. Um, he's got a couple of knockouts. Um, let, 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 me, let me show you. Let's just talk about odds in his fights. Let's go back to Benavidez fight, or the Benavidez fight in 2013 in December. He was a, a minus 145. His next fight, he was minus 700. His next fight, minus 1,600. His next fight, minus 900. His next fight, minus 620, minus 350, minus 1,000, minus 850. Those are unheard of betting odds. Where's he at on this one? I have no idea. It should be 
at, at that sixteen hundred range that it was against Chris Caruso back in two thousand fourteen. I would say it should be around there. Okay, what does Borg have going for him? Mm. He's he's young. He's his paycheck. Well, no, I think he doesn't know what he doesn't know yet, right? So he has a confidence that he can win this fight that I think that most guys probably haven't had with he's young and he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, you know how when you're young and you just don't know what you don't know. And so I think he has that, but that that's, that's the only thing. I think he's going to have a hard weight cut. I think <laughs> fighting too light, he needs to, he's 24 years old and he's haven't, he, he doesn't make weight regularly. He needs to be fighting at 135, and and he's fighting at 125. That's what I have to say. I think I also, having said that, think that he could be a champion someday, but just not this day. So, you know, um, with weight uh, cut sometimes being an issue for him, if his natural weight is at 135, he's, he's got a tough road ahead of him to, you know, to take a belt from somebody because you know who's standing in his way in the 135 division. I mean, that, that division's stacked. You mean, you mean TJ? Yeah. <laughs> He's not. Well, you, you think, uh, you know, Borg and Dillashaw, Borg comes out on top? No, no, I'm saying that TJ's not going to be the champion of the division. Oh, no, 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 no. I just Anytime meant. Anytime soon. You know, yeah, so when you were saying that, I thought – you were saying somebody he would have to go through. No, no. I was saying, like, it would be hard to win a belt because he would be the champion. I was joking because Cody, I'm saying, needs to be the champion for a long time because he represents Pittsburgh. This is he, true. He might not say it more, but we'll take it anyway. Okay, what's your prediction? Let's move on to the last Yeah, I'm, I'm going with um... – I'm going to say Bork, first, Bork, first Bork. round, Bork. Kimura. That, that's what I said. I didn't hear you say Kimura because I thought that I was saying the different types that he had. You are a – that's a wash now. Oh, you're the worst. Hi, I'll just say whatever – hi. Hey, Ryan, what do you have written? I have a Ryan DJ first round Kimura. Okay, that's what I'll take then. Oh, okay. Moving on. We have the main event of the evening and the fight that I am. I'm pretty fired up for this fight. We have Tony El Kukui Ferguson <laughs> versus, why are you laughing? Um, no reason. What, versus, what's his nickname? <laughs> is that wrong? I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I just I like the way that you say it. Versus Kevin, what's his nickname? See, I've never heard this. Do you know? Do you have you ever heard him with a nickname? It says the Motown Phenom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew he was from Motown, but I never. I thought you were going to give me another one for uh, for Ferguson. Oh no, no, we've moved on from Ferguson. You're moving on now. We've moved on from El Kikui. You don't you don't like him anymore. Um, who do you like in this fight? I'm gonna make this uh, nice and easy. I'm going with Ferguson. You're gonna have to like elaborate. I mean, at least say how he wins. And this is a this is a five rounder. I yeah I think it's going to be a barn burner um, and split decision, but I think Fer- Ferguson is going to come out on top. Split decision. Yep. The king of them. How many? I'm going to go with a majority split. <laughs> You're the worst. Well, how about a split draw? I am going to say Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson via. Ground and pound TKO. 
He's going to get his back, and he's going to pound him out in the third round. Hmm. I'm going to hold you to that. He's going to get his back, and he's going to make him pay for all the things that he said to make this fight happen. Now, see, they, they've been nice to each other. There hasn't been any animosity here. Do you remember the, the – um, well, that's because he has a fight with a 240-pounder instead. <laughs> that overshadowed him. Don't you remember how this all started? Mm, I don't. This all started when the uh, Kevin Lee beat Michael Casilla, and he was being interviewed by the studio. Yes. Yes. And Tony Ferguson was in the studio and was basically telling him, like, you got a you got a decent future, kid, but you got a long way to go before and now they're fighting each other. I do recall that now. Yeah, I'll bring it back to you, Jim. I'll bring it back. I mean, I know in your old age you're you kinda, you know, struggle. It was the Oklahoma card, wasn't it? Um, Oklahoma is okay. Okay. I think it was OKC. Oh, for real? So, Jim, um, an, a fight card that I am looking forward to, and I think that you're looking forward to as well, is the Bellator 186 fight card. This is true. So here's the, here's, here's the cool thing. You know, when you got regional MMA and you got national MMA and, and you know, you, you just love MMA – and then the UFC comes to town and nobody on the regional scene gets a sniff of a fight on the UFC card. And then Bellator comes through and they do it the right way. Mm-hmm. They do it where they bring the local talent, they put them on the platform, they say, go make – uh, you know, get this town excited, get this area excited for this fight. And guess what? We are excited for Bellator 186 coming to State College. It's two and a half hours away, and I'm far more excited for this fight card than I was for – I mean, I was excited for UFC coming to Pittsburgh, but not like I am for Bellator 186 where we will see four local fighters – and an additional fighter from Altoona, which is about, um, you know, two hours from here and about an hour from State College or half hour from State College. Um, we will see those five fighters, you know, be on this card. And there's 10 announced fights so far. And we have a vested interest in five of those fights. And that's not including Ryan Bader being on the card against Linton Vassal, Vassell, Vassal, Linton Vassal. Vassal, yeah. Um, Phil Davis. Phil Davis, yeah. Penn State grad, a national, uh, an All-American at, at Penn State. We have Ed Ruth, who's on the card, who's a Penn State grad, All-American. You know, this is an exciting card. You have Zach Freeman coming back from his big upset win at uh, UFC or Bellator 178 that we that we covered in, in Connecticut. So this is a fight. Uh, this is a card that we can certainly get excited about. Yeah, you know, we should um, we should try and get Zach Freeman on the podcast and maybe give him put together a little uh, video montage since Bellator did not do that for him um, in his fight, you know, the lead up against Aaron Pico because they really, really pushed him. He made that comment um, and then he went out and took care of business. They're still pushing Pico and they should. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. But he was, they didn't ease him in either. They, they, they put him up against a guy who's a ton of MMA experience. He's a very good fighter. And, he got humbled in his first first uh, experience. But we have, on this card, we have Alamale McFarland, who is uh, a, a very, very um, 
marketable young lady who is, uh, I believe, undefeated. And we have our Pittsburgh guys. We have Dominic Mazzotta, the honey badger. We have, <laughs> we have Francis Healy, Mike Wilkins, and Chris Dempsey all on this card. And guess what? Everything that the UFC failed to do, uh, as far as from a regional and excitement standpoint, I'm curious to see how many uh, fans are in the Bryce Jordan Center for this card. The UFC was only able to get uh, about 7,000 fans. Now, there were other factors. Um, there were other factors involved with the UFC card, being that the uh, Triple G Canelo fight was the same night. However, I, I don't know. I mean, what did you lose? Five hundred in attendance? I don't. I don't. I don't know. That's hard to say. I don't think it would be anything insane. No, I agree, Ryan. I I don't think that uh, that they did right um, by Pittsburgh. There was, you know, they had the chance to have Cherico Marcherico on that card. We talked about this before. He could have brought some people in. Um, you know anybody that um, they might have lost to that uh, to that boxing match? I think Cherico's falling would have uh, would have doubled that. Um, you know, so if they would have lost a hundred, he would have brought in three hundred. So yeah, the you know, it go ahead. It, you know his 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 name locally is is a strong one, and he's got a following. Absolutely, the other um, fighter that is from Altoona that we are excited to see in the Bellator cage is Ethan Goss, who will be uh, making his Bellator debut. Uh, the Dempsey who has fought in the UFC has a, has a win in the UFC. Um, but he's also making his Bellator debut. Francis Healy Bellator debut, Mike Wilkins Bellator debut. Dominic Mazzotta is, this is his second fight. And this is a fight at his natural weight at 135 as opposed to um, him fighting up just to get the opportunity in the Bellator cage um, at 145 when he made his debut and, and things didn't go um, as planned. This is an exciting fight. We actually, at Octagon 24-7, got the call from Isaac Greeley, who is the head coach at the Matt Factory right here in the Pittsburgh area. We got the call from him. They said, hey, listen, we are uh, having a, a big um, training session with some other gyms out in Altoona. And we went out there this past weekend. There will be uh, uh, stuff coming on the website. I know you guys, uh, a lot of you are very much into the regional MMA scene here in Western Pennsylvania. You will see more and more of that stuff on the website and on our social media and on YouTube um, as time progresses, as we lead into Bellator 186, which we will be covering live and in person, Jim Sahara Mooney and myself. We are excited for that and um, yeah, really looking forward to we spent time with Ethan Goss and, and all those all the Pittsburgh guys out in Altoona. We'll have uh, more on that and uh, as as we lead up to Bellator one seventy eight. The other thing one eighty six one eighty six one eighty six is what I actually said, but for some reason, all ears heard otherwise. Um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to that talk is about not true briefly before we. Um, wrap up here as we're all about out of time um we wanted to talk about jim you, you mentioned this as we were getting ready to get on the air just you know having politics invade our sports world and how things have gotten to a point where you can't get away from politics i i mean i watched the 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 football games last weekend and there was all this talk about politics and I just got sick of it and didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, I get enough of that when I can control it 
and I want to control how much politics I hear. And when it starts becoming a part of every sports or NFL broadcast, I'm out. What are your thoughts? You're on mute or something. Uh, yeah, I was on mute. I apologize because I was coughing. Um, sports all by itself without add, adding anything, any external forces to it can be polarizing all in its own. I mean, if we just look at the NFL by itself, we've got Deflategate and Spygate. That's just with New England. And, you know, there's, you know, a lot of fans. Oh, are you referring to two and two New England? Two and see, I didn't even know. Yeah, I did not even know. I, I, I they got they got beat by whoever they played yesterday. Tight, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I that is that has got to be that is the best news of the day. Yeah, they're two and two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't so, watch any football yesterday or this. Yeah, no. Um, so you and I talked. We've mentioned this a couple times. Um, I, you know, for different reasons, stopped like, committing my time on Sundays to watching the games. And, you know, I was going to, like, I would peek in, maybe watch for a little bit, um, you know, just in and out. But but this year, I haven't watched anything. Um, and so, like, what happened with the protests, for me, um, is kind of what really sealed the deal. Because like you said, Ryan, I don't – I, I want to watch the game. I don't care what somebody's beliefs are away from the field, um, you know, aside from them being involved in uh, murder and obstruction of justice and, you know, or something like that. Or community, if they're doing good things in the community or, you know, their previous service to our country or things like that. But, yeah. Whole- but you know what? Even, even with that, you know, to me that's external because, you know, military service – I'm all for the military, but that, that again can be political because you've got, you know, uh, liberals who say we spend too much money on the military, um, on the right side, Republicans and conservatives want to push for more spending. So, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I'm happy. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that guys, you know, feel that calling to go out and serve the country, but can you put somebody on their butt? And if you can, is that going to open up a hole for the running back? That's all I care about. You know, and if you're doing good in the community, kudos to you. But I just I just want to see a football game. I just want to watch a baseball game. I just, you know, and, yeah. and now well, the, majority, have, the majority of the blame goes to the owners right. who allowed this to happen. And guess what? You may not care about me personally, but there's other people that feel the same way as me and collectively – um, I think you, you, you've turned a lot of people off and, um, me, me being one of them, leave politics out of sports. End of story. Any, any, any closing shots there, Sarah? Um, yeah, maybe not necessarily closing shots, but, um, you know, there may be a time when I, when I do go back to watching, but, you know, the one thing that is um, that it's got to be f- for me from now on is that, you know, sports isn't going to be a priority. You know, our family, me and my wife, uh, we really love baseball. We like going to the games. The Pirates, you know, haven't had uh, a good run of success the past two years. Prior to that, three years running was really exciting. So we look forward to that stuff. You know, we can go to a Pirate game and not worry about – politics too much really getting in the way um so it's just going to be it's going to be coming down to does the family want to do something you know do we have any plans for sunday if not you know then maybe i'll tune in and that's just the way it's going to go for me from now on you mean sports with the exception of mixed martial arts there you go as a matter of fact um octagon 24 7 um put out a tweet that saturday's or May for MMA. We had a lot of coverage of that. If you didn't get a chance to see it, um, go to our Twitter page. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff posted up there. We've got some stuff also on our Instagram page if you want to see some of the coverage we had of that training session. 
Dude, your volume is all over the place. I don't know what you're doing with your microphone, but um, it is not sounding too good. Anyway, like our like our Twitter page, our all of our social media stuff. We have stuff on YouTube, and we're going to be um, releasing some footage of this training session we're talking about where four Bellator fighters and – um, a bunch of uh, training partners were all um, helping each other out at uh, Gorilla House Gym in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And what a great gym impressive. that is. A impressive. Very impressive. If you are anywhere, if you're training MMA and you're anywhere near uh, the Gorilla House Gym or Altoona, um, I would strongly advise you go check out that gym. They just moved. I think their grand opening was either today or yesterday and a phenomenal, phenomenal gym there. Yeah. Just, uh, just real quick. I just wanted to say, um, thank you for, uh, Jason to, to Jason Dignan, um, for the hospitality that he showed to us, you know, to the crew of Octagon 24 seven, going up there, giving us a tour of the facilities. Um, it is a top-notch – you know, if, if somebody wants to hone their skills um, for MMA, grappling, jiu-jitsu, th- this is the place to go. You know, move to Altoona. They got stuff. They got a gym ready to go for you. Take your career to the next level. I promise you this, this place is going to help you get there. Yeah, Jason was a great guy. He's the head coach there, and they literally just moved uh, across town to this phenomenal facility at the Gorilla House Gym. And so, um, yeah, check out the, the the stuff there. And that being said, we are um, all out of time. We are so glad you joined us um, on behalf of Jim Sahara Mooney. This is Ryan Middleton thanking you and signing off saying good night and God bless.